Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. This year has been a pretty tough year. We started out with COVID, and unfortunately, it has taken a lot of lives. Maybe some of your family's been sick, maybe some of them have died. Along with that, there's been a lot of loss throughout the country. I looked at fortune.com. It used to be Fortune Magazine, but you know nobody gets magazines anymore, so it's fortune.com. And it said nearly 100,000 businesses have been closed permanently through COVID. Four out of 10, this is out of Pew Research, four out of 10 have lost their job this year. It's been a rough year. We've gone through riots. We've gone through an election that has caused a lot of heartache on either side. It's been a hard year. And I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about today? And I kept praying because he didn't answer me right away. And I kept praying. And then he said to me, he said, faith. Let's talk about faith today. So today I want to talk about faith, what it is and how it plays a role in our lives. If somebody came to you and asked you what faith is, it's a fair question. What is faith? It's not tangible. You don't see it. What would you say faith was? Say it right out if somebody knows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amen. The pat answer is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I don't know about you, but that's just as confusing to me as, I, as anybody else when you read it. Inspiration has it this way. Faith is fully trusting in God's word to come to pass because he said it and dependent only on the word to do what he says it will do. That's faith. Now, I know for me, I can only speak for me, but when I talk to the Lord and I ask him for something, it ends up I have a bad habit of wanting to help him out. Maybe I can do it just a little bit better, just, you know, help you through this thing. But what it says is, depending only on the word, he doesn't need our help. So today, I'm good. what I'm gonna do is we're gonna look at Bible verses there's, uh, there's a lot of them to get through what I need to do because the Lord says, dependent on his word. So we're going to use his word to show what faith is and what it has in our life. I'm going to give you the verses. I'm going to say them. We probably don't have enough time for all of us to wait to get to them. So if you have a pen and you want to jot them down, uh, go right ahead. One of the questions that comes to my mind is, do we truly believe that this is the spoken word of God? 
for faith to be important to us, we have to believe that this is his spoken word to us because he gives us instructions in here. Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith, amen, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 1, 16 to 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, that word believes also means saving faith. So remember that when we go through these, these, these verses, believe also means saving faith. For the, first, uh, for the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. There's many verses and I'm going to read one more to you. And this is an important one. Romans 10, 9. Says that if you confess your, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe or have faith in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the last three words, you will be saved. What does that mean? What is God saying here to us? Salvation comes through faith. That's what he's saying. It's not saying, what did you do? What are you doing? How are you doing it? It says, plain and simple, we are saved by faith. <clears throat> now, we have a few verses in the Bible that we got to bring into this because it's easy to say you're saved by faith. But there's some other verses that we got to reconcile. We got to bring them in and find out how they fit and how they actually work together because the Lord is telling us that we're saved by faith. We go to James 2, 14. It says, what does it profit, my brother? And if someone says that, that he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? Again, the Bible says we are saved by faith. It doesn't say we're saved by works. So that verse comes up. Now, if we stay at James 2, 17 and 18, it says, but some will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Again, we got to reconcile this. How do these works come into this? faith. Revelation 22, 14 said, blessed are those who do his commandments. It says do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Matthew 5, 48 says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, perfect. 
Now, when the Lord said that we are saved by faith, he didn't say anything about being perfect. He didn't say anything about doing the commandments. But we have other verses that we've got to bring together. And we're going to bring these together. Psalms 119.72. And again, we're going to use the word of God here. It says, my tongue shall speak of your word, for all of your commandments are righteousness. So the commandments of God are righteousness. We know through inspiration that she tells us that the commandments are Christ's character. Okay? But let's look at this verse. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Everything that we do that we think is righteousness is nothing but filthy rags to the Lord. We can't do anything of ourselves. Okay? So how do we move forward? How do we keep this going? But now uh, Romans 3, 21, 22 says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law, we know that the law is righteousness, but the righteousness of God apart from the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe and all who believe. So God imbues his righteousness onto us through faith. We believe in Christ. We believe that Christ died for our sins. He imbues his righteousness on us. Now we're going to go through a couple verses here that I do want you to go to because if you're like me, I have to see it. And I want you to see these verses to know what I'm saying here. Let's go to Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What is the Lord telling us here? As we think in our heart, so as we are. So what we put into us, if it's, if it's television, if it's iPads, if it's iPhones, if it's whatever we eat, whatever we put into us becomes our character. It becomes us. And the more and the more and the more that you do it, solidifies that character in our heart even more so. He's telling us, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let's turn to Revelation 3.18. So how do, we, how do we get through this? How do, we get, how, do we, how do we get to this? Turn to Revelation 3.18. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So the Lord is knocking on each and every one of our hearts. He knocks on everybody's heart. He wants to come in. But like somebody that's visiting your home, when they knock on the door, they don't just walk in, do they? They wait to be invited in. And the Lord is telling us that he's knocking on our door. He's waiting for us to invite him in that he may sup with us. Let's go back to Proverbs 23, 26. Proverbs 23, 26. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. He's asking us to give him his heart. Give him our heart. Now, another word for heart is what? Mind. It's our mind. So when he says, give us your, your heart, he's asking for our mind so that he can show us his ways. Turn to Ezekiel 36, 26 and 7, then 27. When the Lord is knocking at our heart, what does he promise us? The Bible is full of promises. It's whether we grasp hold of those promises in faith. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And this is the important verse. Listen closely. I, this is the Lord talking. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You see what that's saying? He's going to put his spirit in us and cause us to walk in his statutes. It's not us. We don't do a thing. We can't. We're, our, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So when the Lord is talking about the doing, do his commandments, who's doing those commandments? He is, isn't he? It isn't me. Coming to church on Sabbath doesn't mean salvation. That's a hard thing to grasp when you're born and raised in Adventist. It doesn't mean that. It's Christ living in us when we come to church. We're doing his will. We're taking on what? His character. So when he says that he's taking and changing our heart, taking out the stony heart, giving us a new heart of flesh, he's giving us his character. That's what he's given us. And he says, and you will keep my judgments to do them all. It's not us. It's Christ living in us that does his will. Philippians 2, verse 13 it says, you don't have to turn there if you want to jot it down. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, it's so important. You know, Israel fell into that trap. They took God's commandments, which was by faith, 
and they turned them into works. They turned them into, I can work my way to heaven. And the Lord's telling us that's not true. All you have to do is believe in me, have faith in me, and I will change your heart. I will put a new heart in you and I will give you my character. And through that character comes our change. In prayer meeting, we just uh, a couple weeks back, we went through uh, uh, Matthew 25 and it talks about when the Lord comes, he's going to separate the sheeps from the goats. And he says, you're, you know, you're going to see the kingdom of heaven for what you've done for me. And the people say, what, uh, we haven't done anything for you. What did we do? Well, you fed me, you clothed me, you visited me when I was in prison. And they said, Lord, we didn't do that. And he said, when you did it to my brethren, you did it also for me. So they did it because Christ lived in their heart. They didn't do it to earn salvation. They did it because Christ lived in their heart and his character shined through. Christ's object lesson says, Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. He's looking for us when he's knocking on our door to accept him in. For us to change our hearts and, and put away self and take on his character. His character is what? The commandments. It's love, joy, peace, happiness. It's all of that. There's one more verse that we got to think about when we talk about this. is Romans 12, 1 to 3. And I'm just going to do, because of time, verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And this is what I want you to hear. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When we're born, God automatically imbues in us a measure of faith. What that measure is, I'm not sure, but it's a measure of faith. So uh, um, Muslims and Buddhists, people that don't even believe in God, are imbued with that. Atheists that don't believe in God at all are imbued with a measure of faith. Is that measure of faith the strong enough faith that God is talking about here of letting him in? I myself think that it's the start. It's that faith that we accept, that measure that we accept that sets us on that path. On that path, uh, Ellen White talks about us that we must cultivate our faith. We must grow our faith. We can't just leave it where it is or we'll become stagnant. She's telling us to cultivate it. Let's go to Jude. That's only one book, the first right before Revelation, verses 20 and 21. The Lord says, well, this is, uh, the Lord says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. He's telling us right here that we are to build 
our faith. If we stop, that's when we go backwards. He's telling us to build our faith. Another uh, quote from Inspiration, it says, the knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. That's how important it is for each and every one of us here today of cultivating our faith, growing our faith. It's more important than any other knowledge we can gain. We cannot have a healthy Christian experience. We cannot obey the gospel until salvation, until the science of faith is better understood and until more faith is exercised. There can be no perfection of Christian character without the faith that works by love. So we understand, I hope now, what faith is, what it means to our life, is salvation by faith. In other words, Christ, that is our salvation. That Christ comes, he lives within our heart, he changes us, and gives us Christ's character. I want to take a few uh, uh, characters or a few stories in the Bible and bring them to our attention and look at them through the eyes of faith. The first one I want to talk about is Matthew 8, 5 to 10. It's the centurion. Okay, the centurion, this is now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. And this is the important thing. But only speak a word. Takes us right back to the beginning. Faith is fully trusting God's word to come to pass because he said it and depending only on the word to do what he says. That centurion, all he needed was Christ to say, your servant is healed. Christ then turns around. We know the rest of the story. He turns around and said, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Here you have a man that had no association, but had that faith. He knew that all Christ needed to do was speak that word. Can we see faith? Can we see it? Mark 2, 1 to 5 is the story of, of Capernaum when they brought the crippled man and they, they let him down through the roof. They tried to go through the window. They tried to go through the door. They went through the crowd. They couldn't get through. They went up onto the roof. They tore the roof. They let him down through. The key verse here that I want to bring to you, it says, verse five, he said, when Jesus saw their faith, Whose faith is he talking about? Was it the crippled man? 
It wasn't him, was it? It was the ones that carried him there to be healed by God. What did Christ see? He saw action. He saw what? Yeah. He saw persistence. He saw their faith. The Lord says, by their fruits, you shall know them. He saw their faith. Which means to me that what we do, people can see. People can know that Christ is living in your heart by how we act and what we do. John 5, 1 to 9, is the man at Bethesda, the crippled man, the paralyzed man. Jesus walked upon him. I'm not going to read the whole story. We know that story. It says, when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition. How did he know that? How did Christ know that? All those years, I'm sure his legs had withered up, his arms had withered up. He knew that he was in bad shape. He knew it. Sir, or excuse me, condition. He had said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down in before me. Jesus said, here we go, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. It says that immediately the man was made well. In inspiration, it goes a little bit further and tells us something here about this story. It said that the moment Jesus spoke, his faith took hold. Doesn't show it, doesn't say it. The the cripple didn't say, Lord, please heal my legs and arms so I can get up. Hold on a minute, Lord. Can I really believe that this is what's going to happen? She tells us that if he would have hesitated, that miracle would have passed him by. Think about that for us today. If we hesitate, when we ask the Lord for something and we hesitate, when we doubt, that word or that miracle will pass us by. These are all examples for us to learn from. Another one, Matthew 20, uh, 14, 25 to 31. Peter walks on water. Of course, we're not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to read a part of it to you. <clears throat> Peter answered him and said, they ask him, who are you? They thought he was a ghost. And he tells them that he's, you know, the father, Lord. He said, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to, uh, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come, come. There was the word. Now, Peter, faith took hold of the word of God took hold of it. Okay? When he took hold of it, what happened? What happened with Peter? What did he do? He stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Okay? Think about it this way. 
The faith took hold of God's promise. The works, if you want to call that, but I, I like to look at it as revelation. The revelation of Peter's faith was stepping out of that boat and walking. Now, some call it works. You know, we look to say that we have to do good works. I like to look at it as a revelation. It showed his faith. You could see it. But then what happened? He took his eyes off of Christ. He looked the other way, became self again. And he's sunk into the water. Of course, the Lord saved him. And the Lord said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter asked him, didn't he? He asked him for that that promise. The Lord gave him that promise. He started out well, but then he gave up on that promise. Again, faith, the revelation of faith is what we do. Another one that I wanted to look at was uh, uh, back in Genesis chapter one was creation. Christ said, let there be light and there was light. Christ said, let there be a firmament. There was a firmament. Christ said, let there be sun, moon, and stars. There were sun, moon, and stars. Did Adam know that? Was Adam there to see that firsthand? He wasn't, was he? So Adam had to have faith too, didn't he? He had to believe the word of God and know that the word of God was going to do what it said it would do. But unfortunately, Adam, like Peter, did what? He turned away for that moment, didn't he? He looked at self. He didn't hold on to that promise. He let go of it. And he failed. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way our faith is going to grow is through the word of God and through prayer with him. When trials come, it grows our faith. We lean upon Christ. Even when trials don't come, we should still lean upon Christ. He should be our all. We should live with his character in our heart. But there's still two more verses that I got to read before we can, we can summarize all of this up. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and and of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and all, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor 
And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. And the Lord says there's two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbor. We can have faith, but it's the faith with love that Christ is looking for. And that's a hard thing to do. But through Christ living in us, we will be successful. I have a promise that I hold on to dearly. And I want everybody to turn to this promise. I want you to, to, to read it because I think a lot of us here can hold on to this promise also. The word of God is full of promises. All he's wanting is for us to reach out and accept those promises. That's what he's looking to do. And this is one promise that I hold on to dearly. Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17. It says this, thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears for thy work shall be rewarded, or thy faith shall be rewarded, saith the Lord. And they shall come again from the land of the enemy, and there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord. Thy children shall come again to their borders. That's a promise that I hold on to dearly. And I hope each and every one of us searches the scriptures. We grow our faith in God. And then we hold on to these promises that the Lord gives us. That we hold on to these promises. Thank you so much for listening. We record these messages each week at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Adairsville. And if you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you. Stop in and say hi and enjoy some good Southern food with us. We'll see you next week.